we're working through the Ten Commandments in this series with the idea that they are God's gifts to guide us. And tonight we'll read and reflect on the Fourth Commandment, which is about keeping the Sabbath. We'll have two scripture passages tonight. First, we'll read from Exodus chapter 20, and then we'll read from Romans chapter 14. Let's read beginning with Exodus 20 from verse 8 to verse 11. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And then we'll turn to the New Testament and we'll read several verses from Romans chapter 14. One man considers one day more sacred than another. Another man considers every day alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. He who regards one day as special does so to the Lord. He who eats meat eats to the Lord, for he gives thanks to God. And he who abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. And this is the Lord's word for us this evening. Before we look at this commandment in particular, I want to begin tonight by thinking a little bit again about what what the Ten Commandments are for, how they function in our lives, how we can best use them as God intended. So let's think about that for a little bit tonight. Just a little bit outside of Holland, Michigan, there's a place called Tunnel Park. And as you enter the park, it has all the normal things you'd find at any park. There's parking spaces and picnic tables and green space and a playground. But if you go a little deeper into the park, there's this big sand dune. And there's actually a tunnel that goes through the sand dune, hence the name Tunnel Park. And as you go through this sand dune and you come out the other side, you step onto the shore of Lake Michigan. You go from this regular park through this little tunnel, and then open, what opens up before you is a beach. And if you go on a nice day, there's all kinds of people enjoying the sand, kids building sand castles, people swimming. As you look further out toward Lake Michigan, there's sailboats and motorboats going by, and the sea or the lake goes all the way out to the horizon. You step from this rather humdrum park into this much, much bigger, deeper, wider, more beautiful world. In this series, we're talking about God's law as gifts to guide us because God's commands, they lead us from regular life into, into a deeper, bigger, higher, more powerful world. And that's our first point for tonight, that God's commands lead us into a bigger world. 
If we belong to Jesus, then God's law serves the function of living, leading us into a bigger world. The law does have the function of convicting people that they're sinful, that they need a Savior, that they aren't good enough, that they don't measure up. But as God's people, as God's people, the commands guide us and they lead us and they provide an entry point into a different kind of life, into a different perspective, into a much bigger world. And each of the Ten Commandments opens up part of this new life that the Lord has given us and that He calls us to. And there's a specific word that, that academic types use for, for how the commands do that. And I have it on the screen if we go to the next slide. I thought about inviting you to try to pronounce that word, but I figured that'd be a little challenging. But that word is synecdoche. Synecdoche is a word for how when we look at one small part of something, how that can open up a whole bigger world to us. It's a word that helps us to think how through one particular entry point, we can see a whole panorama. Now, some people, when they approach God's commands, they approach them in a very, very tight and minimal way. Like, you have to do exactly this, exactly this. And if you do that, you're good. These are the legalists among us. But legalism tends to make God's law gloomy and harsh. And often when we read the commands that way, we just add more and more and more and more rules to them, and we cover up God's intention. But other people read the commands in a very, very loose way, like, yeah, they're, they're kind of nice, but we really, ah, we don't really need the law, we don't really need to listen to that anymore. And when we read, the, when we read God's commands in too loose a way, when we don't really pay attention to them because they're kind of dry and old and not very relevant, when people do that, they lose the sense that God actually does intend for his people to live a certain kind of life. When we get too loose with the commands, we lose this idea that the Lord actually designed us and that it's best for us to live in a certain way. So we can be too, too tight, too legalistic with the commands, or we can be too loose, too, too just thinking they're irrelevant. But reading the Ten Commands with this idea of synecdoche gives us a middle way. It helps us to see how each specific command isn't just about the command itself, but how each command opens up, shows us how we live in a whole area of our lives according to the transformation that God wants to work in us. Each of the commands is a door or a window or a tunnel, if you like, into a bigger world. They aren't just boxes to check off. They aren't just old, dusty things that we look at every now and then. But they're entry points. They're ways that we can see how God calls and equips us to lead differently. Each command is a pathway into deeper life. If you were here last week when Pastor Greg preached on the commandment not to take the Lord's name in vain, you might remember that he opened up a whole range of applications of that command, how it, how it impacts our lives in all kinds of different areas in different ways. And as we go forward with this series, we'll continue to see how the particular commands all apply to a wide number of places and things in our lives. And tonight we'll see how that works with this particular command to keep the Sabbath. And as we turn to this particular command, our first point for tonight speaking specifically about this command, our second point tonight overall, 
is that we see that Christians have freedom in how we use our time. One of the overarching points of all of Romans 14, leading even into Romans 15, is that Christians do have real freedom in how we live much of our lives. We have a lot of freedom to decide what we do and don't do. And one of the things we have freedom with is how we use our time. As you see, the Sabbath command is about Sunday, it's about Sabbath, it's about one day in seven, but it's also about all of our time. In Romans 14, the section that we read for tonight, we're not totally sure what Paul is talking about when he talks about these sacred days and these special days that some people follow and some people don't. The text doesn't give us a list of what exactly he has in mind. So it's possible that Paul has in mind some kind of cultural, cultural Greco-Roman holidays, state holidays, even religious holidays where people would have feasts or do certain things or not do certain things. It's also possible that Paul had in mind different Jewish festivals. And the Jewish people had festivals every year, set times, and they also had often weekly, a couple times a week, times of fasting or other days that they would somehow set apart in a special way to God. And then, of course, the Jewish people had that one day every week, the Sabbath, that they kept in very particular ways based on that Old Testament command that we read for tonight. So there's this whole range of things that Paul might be talking about in this section, and it's not entirely clear what he has in mind. It does seem like minimally he's talking about the Sabbath day, but maximally he might be talking about any number of days, about a wide range of different practices. But this passage, as it talks about that picture, whether we want to take it more minimally or maximally, it says that we have freedom. We have real freedom, this passage tells us, to do what we think is best. Verse 5 says that one person might consider a certain day sacred and another person might consider all days the same. Someone might see certain days as special and someone else might disagree. And Romans says that we have some room to disagree on this. Now, having said that, I'm guessing that really grates for some of you. I'm guessing some of you are thinking, no! We would like to have that Romans passage be entirely clear and cut and dried, and this is what we can do, and this is what we can do, and that's it. And we'll come back to that in a little bit. And yes, there is a right way that we use the Sabbath and the right way that we use our time in all kinds of wrong ways. But there's a danger with that desire to have the Bible be really, really clear for us. And we see this later in the, or earlier in the New Testament and the Gospels. We also, I think, see it or have seen it in our own church tradition over the decades. By the time we get to the New Testament, scholars, Jewish religious leaders, they had figured out really precisely what was and wasn't okay on the Sabbath. Even to the point of saying, you can take this many steps on Sunday or on Saturday, it'd be on the Sabbath, and it's not a sin. But if you take this many steps, it is a sin. They had it down to the number of steps that you would take. In our, in our own tradition, we had a number of unofficial decrees about what was or wasn't legal on the Sabbath. You can walk to church, but you'd better not bike. You can go to the beach, but you'd better not get in the water. And those aren't made-up examples, by the way. Those are real stories of places where people drew the lines 
And if you or your kids broke those decrees, you would hear about it. And if someone else broke those decrees, you might let them know about it. People develop these rules to help us keep the Sabbath. And they're good rules often. But we keep on adding and adding and adding to them. And then we get proud for how we keep the rules. And then we have to push ourselves to keep keeping the rules. And then we have to beat ourselves up for not keeping the rules. And then we have to look down on other people for not keeping the rules. And, and it just goes on and on and on. And the gift of Sabbath becomes just another burden. Part of the message of Romans 14 is that we are free from that kind of burden. The text tells us to let believers and to let ourselves exercise some freedom in how we spend our days. This text gives us some real freedom to decide what we do with special days. In making all those extra rules that we sometimes have, we lose perspective. This command becomes something that kills instead of something that brings life. And what this command invites us to is to live lives that are full of good work and good rest and good worship. It invites us to live all of our lives before the Lord, to live in ways that invite renewal. We have real freedom as believers in how we use our time. And again, that probably grates on some of us who have a little bit more of that rule-keeping legalistic bent but I think it is the real message that Romans 14 has to give us. But now, having upset the legalistic group, let's go ahead and upset the other group, the group that kind of wants, wants to just let the laws go and not worry about them too much. Because along with telling us, Romans 14, along with telling us that we have freedom in how we follow God's law, it also, it also tells us that we will give an account for how we use every moment of our time. So our next point for tonight is that Christians have the responsibility to use their time for the Lord. We do have the freedom to do what we think is best, but we also have a responsibility to the Lord for how we use our time. The command that we read in Exodus tonight is focused in particular on the Sabbath day, and that's a day that the Lord commanded his people to put aside in a certain way. But really, the Sabbath... The Sabbath is a window or a tunnel, if you will, into how we should spend all of our time. And we should put our time in quotes there because none of our time is really our time. When was the last time you made yourself some time? We can't do it. Every minute that we have Every day that we have is a gift to us from the Lord. And because every day is a gift, because every moment is a gift, we are responsible to the Lord for how we use every day and every moment. Verses 7 and 8 in Romans 14 tell us that we don't live to ourselves alone and we don't die to ourselves alone. If we live, we live to the Lord. If we die, we die to the Lord. And everything we do we belong to the Lord. 
And so our reading for tonight concluded with verse 12 telling us that we will all give an account of ourselves to the Lord. In Matthew 25, Jesus tells a parable about three men who who come to their master and as servants they receive a number of talents. And we're not quite sure what exactly the talents would be. It was a sum of money. But some people have calculated that it'd be probably about 20 years worth of wages. So one guy comes and he gets five talents. Another comes and he gets two talents. Another comes and he gets one talent. And if we think of each of those talents as worth 20 years then this parable can be about time. One servant comes to the master and he gets 100 years. One servant comes to the master and he gets 40 years. One servant comes to the master and he gets 20 years. And then the master goes away for a while and he comes back and he asks each of the servants what they did with what they'd been given. What did you do with the money, with the time, that I blessed you with. Now, none of us really knows how many years the Lord is going to give us. But all of us are responsible to ask how we're using the time that the Lord gives us. How have we used the years that we have from the Lord? How will we use the rest of the years that we have from the Lord, regardless of how many there are? Every year, every day, every moment is a gift from God. And so we should live in such a way that every moment, every day, every year is offered back to the Lord. The command to keep the Sabbath is an entry point into a command that all of our time, every single moment, should be used in a way that brings glory to God. Now, we can hear that command in a way that brings panic and stress and makes us think, I have to spend every moment doing everything I possibly can to work for the Lord, and and I can't sleep, and I can't do it, and I just have to work so hard all the... And that's that's not what the point is. It's not saying that we have to spend all of our lives panicking because maybe we aren't using this moment to do the most that we can for the Lord. We are called to work hard for the Lord. And God also calls us to rest in Him. We are called to use our time well. And one way that the Lord tells us to use our time well is simply to enjoy it. So yes, let's use all our time for the Lord. And part of that should mean that we gather with God's people to worship Him. Part of that should mean that we have regular rhythms, especially on Sunday, but every day that we have regular rhythms of worship, regular rhythms of paying attention to the Lord, regular rhythms of giving our time to focus on Him. And it also means that we should spend time serving the Lord through serving other people. We should be generous with the time that we have and give it to people and give it to causes and use it to do good works. But along with worship and along with work, the Lord invites us to use His time for recreation. Part of the command to practice Sabbath is to rejoice, to rest, to enjoy the time. 
So rejoice in going for a walk or a bike ride. Take in good books and movies. Dive into good hobbies. Delight in the time that you are able to spend with family and friends just being together. God made this world and he put us in it so that we could enjoy it. One of the ways that we show our gratitude to the Lord is simply by living, simply by enjoying the good days and the good times that he's given us. If we get too focused on living every day in just the best, most perfect possible way, we tend to slip into a new legalism. We tend to make our salvation and and the salvation of the world ultimately about our own work and how we do this and do that, and that's not going to work. Our work doesn't bring in God's kingdom. God's work brings in God's kingdom. And so we are called to use our time well, but also to accept our time as a gift to be enjoyed. Now, of course, we need to find a balance here. We need to find a balance between freedom and responsibility. We are set free from sin in order to be free to follow Christ. We are set free from sin in order to live transformed lives. And so if your tendency is to be one of the people who likes to be really, really tight with the rules, if your tendency is to want to have everything laid out very clear and then we should all follow it all the time, maybe the Sabbath command, maybe the text we read for tonight could encourage you to loosen up a little bit, to be willing to not be quite so precise with all the rules and and to relax a little bit and to enjoy the gifts of time that God gives us. But if your tendency and if, if our culture and our church tradition used to be over there, we're more over here, and if our tendency is to be to be too loose with God's law, to be too loose with how we use our time, to to not value the Sabbath as a day that's special in any particular way, to not have real, real rhythms of work and rest and worship, if that's where you are, maybe our texts for today are, are calling you to be a little more serious, to be a little more intentional, to be encouraged to be more focused on how you can use your time to bring glory to the Lord all the time. All of us kind of lean one way or the other, and so we need, to, we need to correct our courses. We need to live in this reality of true freedom and true responsibility. We are blessed with time, and we are called to use that time to serve the Lord. I'm going to wrap up with one last very brief point tonight. And that's really where all of this is driving. And the fourth point is that Christians belong to the Lord. Christians belong to the Lord. And so we should use all of our time as if we belong to the Lord. The real message, the real core, the real point of Romans chapter 14 is not what we do with particular days. The real point is is that Jesus died and rose again so that we could belong to him. The real point is that Jesus died and rose again so that we could belong to him.
And because Jesus died and rose again, and because he has made us his people, all of our time belongs to him. That's what this command is really about. It's about the joyful reality and the incredible responsibility that all of our time belongs to the Lord because we ourselves, we ourselves have been claimed and marked by the Lord of the universe. Jesus himself gave his life so that we could live and so that we could live for him. And we have real freedom in how we use our time. We have real responsibility for how we use our time. But the real point is that we have one Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We belong to him. He has given us new life. And that, that above all else, transforms and determines how we use our time. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for the gift of time that you have given each of us. We thank you for the time that we could spend here tonight and this morning too gathered to hear from you and to be together with your people and to have this conversation where we speak to you and you speak to us. And Father, we pray that tonight through your Holy Spirit, you do speak to each of us. And Lord, if our tendency has been to be too legalistic, to be too too worried about all the fine points of the law, help us to look away from that a bit and to see the freedom and the joy that we have in Christ. And Lord, if our tendency has been to, to ignore you, to not pay enough attention to your will, to just do whatever we want with a little bit of command-keeping thrown in on the side. Father, help us to see how your, God, how your law really is a gift. Help us to see how following your law really is a way to live a better, a deeper, a transformed life. Father, we pray that you work in all of us to help us do your will. We pray that you more and more deeply work out the new life that Christ has accomplished for us and that the Holy Spirit is applying to us so that we can truly live in your ways for today and forever. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.